tonight that God has laid on my heart. Uh, it's been on my heart for quite a while. I actually did a podcast on this, so if you're interested, I do put out a preaching podcast, and I also do different other little teachings and stuff on there. It's on. You can pick it up on your telephone or your cell phone. You can go to the Play Store and get this Spotify app or Anchor. And you'll find me on there, Liberty and Faith Podcast. Would you stand up just for a second, Tyler? Look at that nice T-shirt that Tyler made for my podcast. Ain't that great? Tyler is the bomb. Thank you, Ella. Uh, Ella made that, actually. Let's give credit where credit's due. Uh, I felt I got the look. You know, it was like Tyler made that. And it was like the Superman stare for a second. Um, but yeah, if you want to listen to that, uh, I try, I'm doing a podcast right now. This sermon will be on there. I don't know if we're streaming or not. So where there's a lot of people that like me to send this out privately to them, you, there's hundreds of sermons on there if you ever want to look into that. But tonight, we're going to, let me ask you a question. How many people believes that Jesus is really coming soon? Okay, so you all are believers that this must be the end times because that's when Jesus comes back, right? Can I get a hand? Is that, is that? Okay, this sermon is for all of you and for me. God gave this to me uh, a, a few weeks ago, and he's been just keeping this on my mind with everything that's going on in the world. 2024, I want 2024 to be the best year in, ever for you and for me, and I believe it will be spiritually but I'm also, you guys know, I've called myself a reality preacher, right? Reality is, the scripture says this, that spiritually speaking, the world will, de will increasingly get worse and worse and worse. And, and there's going to be a great falling away. Well, I believe we're in the end of the end times. I don't think we've been starting in the end times. I believe we're there. And I believe that things are really in place. And I think by the time we get to the end of this, you're going to probably agree with me. I'm going to be in the book of Revelations uh, this this uh, evening in Revelations chapter 17. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there with me. We're going to talk about where we're at. My dad used to tell me a long time ago in his old country way, I come from a very country family and we hunted and fished all the time. And he always used these analogies and he always told me this. He said, always remember, son, a fox can't smell its own den. And what he meant by that, sometimes it's very hard to recognize where you're at and how things are with you when you're trying to self-examine yourself in the very situation that you're living in. So it can be very, very difficult to accomplish that, to be able to understand. So what I'm saying is we are smack dab in apocalyptic times, smack dab in the end times, and it's very difficult to see it because we're living in it. And things, the, the wheel of this thing is turning very slowly and we're so used, we become used to our surroundings and the abnormal suddenly becomes normal and then everything just seems to be as the world turns. And you miss what's really going on. And so tonight, I'm going to ask you with me, as we walk in the Word of God together, I want you to step back with me as we go through this teaching. I want you to step back from your world. I know that just with the few people that we have in here, there's a lot of stuff going on in people's lives. I've pastored for many, 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 many years, and I know this. You don't have to tell. You don't have to say amen. Every person in this place rec represents a separate home life and problems, things going on, things in the background, a backstory, 
things that distract you, things you're going through, health problems, family problems, financial problems, food problems, church problems. There's all kinds of things going on. And sometimes you get so focused on all these all these peripheral things, if you will, that it's hard to lose focus. It's easy to lose focus on what spiritually is right before you. And this is exactly what Satan wants so that he can keep people in a state of unreadiness. Okay? He doesn't want you to be prepared. And he doesn't want you to be on alert. He doesn't want you to be on alert. Now, in psychology, they taught us psychologically speaking, that a person, and there's meaning behind what I'm getting ready to tell you, you can accept things for being normal when they are not. This is how Satan works. And we're going to talk about this in the evangelism slash discipleship class because for you and for me, we're Christians. And we have to keep ourselves separate. The Bible says, be ye a separate people. The Bible says, come out from amongst them, my people. You are a peculiar people. That means that we have to keep that mindset that we are different from the world, spiritually speaking. But if you're not careful, you can get wound up in the things that's going on in the world and you can become what's called desensitized to what's going on around you. Things that happen are no longer alerting to you. They're no longer offensive to you. They no longer have the sting of, oh my gosh, because you keep going through it all the time. You keep seeing it all the time. You turn the television on and you basically see people having sex. You turn the television on, you see somebody shoot and kill somebody. You turn the, and you're eating your sandwich and you're not even thinking anything about it. Whereas if we was to bring Jesus here or just... I mean, the airwaves, when Gone with the Wind was made, and he said, frankly, my dear, you would not believe the calls that come into the production studio over that one word that he used back in that day. And now look at what we have. It's because we've lowered our standards, because we've been, it's been, it's, it's purposeful, you see. It's, it's a grind that they put you through. They put it before you so much, so much, so much, it loses its effect of being offensive on you. That's desensitization. That's how this happens. This is the game that Satan is playing. Now you turn on the television and, and what would shock people of yesteryear. Imagine if some of your parents would see what you see on TV. Imagine, would you be ashamed if Jesus Christ was watching what you watched and seeing what you saw and was hearing what you heard? But the, but, but the catch 22 in all this is he did because he's within your heart. And if it doesn't offend you and if it doesn't do anything to you, and if you don't feel conviction for it, you're becoming desensitized spiritually. This is where holiness is needed. This is true Christian living. So what I was going to say in, in psychology, they talk about people being neurotic. Neurotic is, uh, is basically abnormality, abnormal thinking. It's, it's, it can be anything from schizophrenia to any other medically, medical problem of the mind where people are uh, hallucinate things, where they do not see things in a normal man, uh, manner as, as we do. They're, they don't live in this realm of reality that you and I live into. They are, they are, they are disturbed in the mind. But here's the thing. The longer it, people, family members that live with someone who's neurotic or, or schizophrenic or anything like this, and you walk up and you got a family member, you know, if you was to walk in the house of somebody who had a family member in their house and they're sitting there talking to an invisible friend, 
and you've never been exposed to that before, and you walk in and you go, whoa, wow, this is crazy. That person's crazy. Or you walk in and someone's doing some unbelievable, abnormal act, but the rest of the family, they don't even pay no attention to it. They go on with the rest of their day and they think nothing of it. Well, in the psychological realm, they say clinically that you become as neurotic as they are because you you begin to accept abnormality as normality. It becomes so a part of you that it's no longer abnormal. And so both parties need treated. Spiritually speaking, it's that way. Because there is two lives lived in this world. There's, there's the fleshly life that we live, and then there's the spiritual life. And us Christians who have been saved, the object, according to Jesus Christ in the Scripture, is to allow the spirit you to control the fleshly you. The Bible says if you're born of the spirit, you should walk in the spirit. Amen. So you have got to let your soul control the flesh. God being in control of your soul, your decision making every day at the workplace. This is going to get into to, to, to next week. The decision making you do every single day should be based on the new you, the redeemed you that's within your heart. Where you go, what you do, what you say, how you conduct yourself, how you conduct your business, your honesty, your loyalty, your dedication, your, your, your word. Everything should be based on what you do in this outward world by what's happened in your heart. That's how we should live. Okay, that's the object. But getting into this, it's very difficult to see, now that I've kind of introduced you to this, Keeping this in, 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 in the back of your mind, we need to back up just a little bit because I don't know if we were honest how many people in here thought, man, this is today at all in, in this 24 hours until we got here. I don't know, and I'm not going to take a poll on who many people, how many people in here thought, man, that Jesus could return at any minute. Or man, I wonder what's going on in Israel because it's the end times. Man, I wonder if the Antichrist is making his move. Because if you believe that Jesus is coming soon, all those questions are relevant. What? What did you say, Pastor Jay? Did you use the word Antichrist as if he's here? Yes. Yes, I did. Wow, what a shift in thinking. So suddenly this becomes real. Now we're backing off and we're getting out of all these distractions and we're getting rid of all these things that desensitize us. And when you turn on the TV, the Bible says it will be as it was in the days of Noah. In the Bible, in the Bible says in the days of Noah there will be violence. There was violence in the land, right? And there was angelic interference in humanity the bible says these watchers that these angels come down and they created these they had sex with the with the with the 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 daughters of mankind and they created these giants and these giants come in and 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 just begin to destroy the earth it's in your bible in the book of genesis 
violence and angelic interference. That's exactly what's going on right now. The devil is an angel. There's angelic interference going on. Demonic activity is fallen angel activity. There's there's angelic activity going on. There's violence in the land. Turn your television on. Turn your news on. You're going to find somebody killing somebody. I forget what the national statistics is. Every so many seconds just in the United States, somebody kills someone violently. Somebody violently rapes someone. Somebody violently robs someone. Someone violently bledges someone. It's, It's now. It will be as it was in the days of Lot, illicit sexual behavior. Turn your TV on, you're going to find two men kissing, two women kissing. That's the, that's the favorite, that's the favorite commercial of these days. That's an abomination in the sight of the Lord. And it's every day. And they want to keep showing you that, showing you that, showing you that, so that you won't mind one day when they begin to teach your children that in school. And you'll become desensitized to it. And as Satan builds his world, let me say this again so you're understanding me. I'm just, I'm, I haven't even made it through the scripture yet. As Satan builds his world, the platform for the Antichrist to make his appearance in this world, all these things have to go on so that people will accept his agenda. Can I get an amen? One, two, three. Amen. Yes. We've, we've traveled a long ways in the Spirit and I haven't even got into the, into, the, into the Scripture yet. So as all these things are going on in our world, as you turn on your news, brother, this brother sitting right here could look back in time and say how different things was 50 years ago. Look at where we're at now. Because Satan is getting the world ready for his appearance. And even the church is participating in the so-called church by ordaining these folks and getting involved with it. And instead of the Bible says when we come across sin that we're supposed to expose it, we're supposed to rebuke it, we're not supposed to be unkind, but we're, we're supposed to deal with it. Yeah, we just turn a, a deaf ear and a blind eye and hope it doesn't make its way to our shores. Now I'm going to read this to you. This is in Revelation 17, 1 through 8. If I had to title this, if I had to title this message tonight, it would be prostituted truth. I want you to remember the word prostitute. Prostituted truth. This is what the Antichrist, now that we all say and believe here that Jesus is coming soon, now that we all believe and know that we're living in the end times, And we know that the rapture could happen at any moment. Now that we've all admitted that together, it's time to accept what the scriptures are saying and to be prepared for this. Now, you're going to hear a lot of people say, oh, Brother Jay, God's going to take care of everything. I'm not going to worry about it. That is exactly the wrong answer. That is exactly opposite of what Jesus himself said because he said to be ready. And when he pinned be ready, he wasn't pinning that to the world out there. Joe Smith walking down the street. He pinned that to the church. He was talking to believers. So you and I have to be ready so that we won't be duped and deceived and be caught unawares. So you have to be ready. Revelation 17, 1 and 8, a prostituted truth. Listen to this. And there came one of the seven angels which had seven vials and talked to me, saying unto me, come hither. 
I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Hmm. Remember that. This is a female sitting on many waters. With whom the kings of the earth, listen to this, have committed fornication. Keep this in mind. A woman and all of the earth, the kingdoms of the earth, are committing fornication with this woman. We're going to find out who the woman is. We're going to find out where she, where, who, what is going on here and what this fornication is. Fornication, you mean they're all having some sort of sexual? No, this is, this is spiritual fornication. Remember I said there's two lives. There's a physical one and a spiritual one. We're betrothed to Jesus Christ and we're supposed to remain faithful to him and not be cheating on him spiritually. We're supposed to be chaste, pure, holy, waiting the return of our king, of, our, of, the, uh, of the groom. You're the bride. How many here has heard, us, heard the church called and referred to as the bride of Christ? Amen? Yes. The groom, the bride. These are the realms fornication is committed between people who are not married. Adultery is committed between people who are. We are not Consummated yet in our, we are betrothed to Jesus. Therefore, we could commit fornication. We're outside of the covenant of marriage, but we, we are betrothed and we are awaiting the coming of the groom. And just to set this up a little bit more again, this is where you have to understand the customs and the mannerisms of that day and not ours, because a lot of this is referring to the Jewish wedding ceremony. In, 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 in Judea, in Jesus' day, remember, everybody remembers where Jesus says that he says, behold, he said, I go away, that where I go, you can be also. He goes, and in my father's house, there are many mansions. He says, and I go to prepare a place for you, right? How many remembers that saying, that saying in the scripture? How many knows what that means? Okay. What that means is this. When we were going to get, when we say we're living back in Jesus' day, say Tyler and Ella, right now we are living in Jesus' day. And, and, and I am Ella's dad. Okay? Tyler would come to me and say, uh, Pastor Jay. Yeah, he wouldn't say it like that. He'd be, it'd be something like this. And I can't even speak that in. But he would say, Pastor Jay, I really want to marry your daughter. And I would look at, look at him and say, have you the dowry to pay for her? I do. And if he had the dowry, dowry in which to purchase my daughter's life from me, I would either accept or reject it. In this case, I would accept it. And then Tyler would then make his intentions known to the bride, his future bride, and he would tell her that now that your father has accepted my dowry, my payment for you, I am going to go and I'm going to build a house. And when my house is done, I'm going to come and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And so then we would wait and we get into the wedding party and the, and the, and, and we get into the foolish bridesmaids and, and those that are waiting for the coming of the groom. And you never knew when he was coming back. So you always had to be ready. They didn't have Verizon back and say, Hey, I'm about done with the house, hun. Be ready. So you just showed up, right? 
Okay, you just showed up. So what this what this equates to is when Jesus was hanging on the cross, we were how many's heard the Bible say you've been bought with a price. That's the dowry that Jesus paid to the father. What was the price? His own life, a sinless life. He gave himself. The Bible says no greater love does any man have than this, than he would lay his life down for his friends. So he bought you with a price. He came to the father and said, I want them. They're my creation. I and you, John chapter 17, I talked about it. He prayed for you. He told God what he was doing. Jesus hung on the cross. The Bible says darkness enveloped the land. That is, that is when the covenant was made between God and Christ, you were bought right then and there. God accepted the payment and Jesus went away and has not returned yet, but He's coming soon. And you are the bride of Christ awaiting His return. And we can't commit fornication on Him with the devil while He's gone. This is deep stuff. You come tonight for the first service in 2024 and you didn't know you was going to get a T-bone steak tonight. Spiritually speaking. We're going to douse a little lay one on that thing too here in just a minute. Verse 2, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. I'm going to stop there and have prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to anoint us to help us to see clearly, Lord God, to unveil the truth, Lord, that you've given to my mind, to my spirit, to pass it on to the church, Lord God. Help us to maintain a state of readiness to interpret the Scriptures accurately, Lord God. Lord, we, we know that there is a way that seems right to a man, but Lord, the end thereof are the ways of death. And Jesus says there's only one way and that He's the way and He's the door. And so, Lord, teach us truth and that our mind can know it and we can sense it and we can it can be fed to our spirit and it can change us and help us to understand what's going on in the days in which we live. Take us away from this world for a minute, Lord, so that we can, so we can see it for what it is. Take us out of its filth and wash us off so we can see how dirty we were and how clean we are. And we ask this in Jesus' name. I'm going to keep, keep going on. So He carried me away in the Spirit into the wilderness. Listen, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns, it says. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, royalty, royal colors, right? And decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. This is the emblem of prosperity. Oh, it sounds starting to sound familiar to today a little bit. Decked with gold, precious stones, pearls, having a golden, uh, a gold cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Listen at that. Having a cup in her hand full of, listen, abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Filthiness of her fornication. This is a religious system that is made to look like Christianity, but it's full of abominations and it's filthy in the sight of the Lord. This is very easy to interpret. We think we, think we have to have some mysticism that goes along. The book of Revelation is very easy to understand if you do it with help of the Scripture itself and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Woman, bride, woman, prostitute, bride, chaste, holy, 
Are you following me? Are you starting to catch my drift a little bit? One is the bride of Christ. Pure, chaste, holy, and true, bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. One is a whore, a prostitute, a woman who looks like it but is not, but she's full of abominations and filthiness. Are we starting to follow? Can I get an amen? One, two, three. Amen. Two systems, but one is filthy. And one the world's going to love. You see where I'm going? Okay. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Let me just say as we go through this, Babylon is the source of all paganism in the world today. It started with Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. It's where we, we get all the languages of the earth today is when Nimrod tried to, tried to build this tower and proclaim himself to be God. Very demonic. Okay, it, Babylon is the source of the mother-child cult. And we're going to talk about that. You know all about that. In today's world, it still exists. A mother-child cult that exists where a baby is raised from the dead and is said to be the son of the living God. One is true, one is false. She's full of filthiness. She's dirty spiritually. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints. With the blood of the saints? I mean, are we talking about historically a time when this religious system killed Christians? I hope you're following me. And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said to me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which hath seven heads and ten horns. And here we go. Remember what I said about interpreting the Bible with the Bible? Here we go. Let's look and see what it says. The beast that thou sawest was... It says, and is not, and shall ascend. Okay, so this is a beast that was, was, okay, and is not, but is to come. And shall ascend, now the bottomless pit, we call that place what? Yeah. And go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder. Wonder at who and what? The beast that comes up from the bottomless pit. The world is going to fall in love with the devil's system. Brought in and ushered in in the times in which we live by the false prophet and the Antichrist. You see, as we have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Satan tries to mimic everything. There's the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. See that? Listen to this. Who's, and it says this, And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is, 
And it says, and here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads, listen, are seven mountains on which the woman sits. We now call that the seven hills of Rome where the Vatican sits. Isn't that something? Seven hills. A woman riding on the back of a beast. Now let's talk about that. As we read through these scriptures today, it's very compelling. The book of Revelations was written in this kind of, uh, of kind of, uh, we're not going to call it mystery, but kind of encoded, we, we shall say. Because if John was to come out and just said exactly what Jesus said to, was going to happen, then there would have been mass killing. I mean, there would have been a, a, a tremendous amount of persecution that would have hit the church at this time. So it was hidden and encoded in these kind of allusions in, this, in these writings in which people that were familiar with the scriptures would be able to interpret, but people like Nero couldn't. Nero was so abominable that he would take Christian people and he wanted to kill them so bad. He hated, he hated, he burned down Jerusalem. He hated them so bad that he would impale believers through their backside, stand them up in his botanical gardens and catch them on fire at night just so he could walk through and look at his gardens. That's a, that's a historical fact. This is the kind of guy that they were dealing with back then. And the whole world was run by him. And the Antichrist is going to make that guy look like a choir boy in the things that he's going to do. They would sew believers up in, in animal skins, starve lions and, and, and boars, pigs and stuff, half to death, and then, and then put, put you in the middle of the amphitheater and, and, and the crowd would roar as these animals would rip these believers apart. That was the kind of fun they had back then in which the Bible says the coming of the Antichrist will be much, much worse than even that. So when I asked you, do you believe that Jesus is coming soon? And you said yes, and we're living in the end times. This is what you can expect. This is what you're supposed to be being ready for. You see, it's not a playtime and a time to bury our heads in the sands, but it's a time to tell people of what's going on, to alert people to the coming of the rapture, to the coming of, uh, you don't want to be left behind because this will ensue, you see. So as we read through them, I want to tell you all, that it was penned by John, encoded by John, but it was written for us to have an understanding, to give Christians a look at what was, what is, and what is to come. It was God's unveiling. Prophecy isn't to wow people with. It's not to woo people with. It's not to blow people's minds. It's not to put you in a place of mysticism or even scare you to death. It's to tell you what God says. And it's to get you ready. That's what it's for. If things like this scare you, then you need to get ready for Jesus Christ because this is what's coming to the land and preachers should be preaching it. People should be telling it and, and they're keeping it behind the scenes and people want to know that the world's a happy place and we're going to be all fine and we will be fine. But there are things that the Bible says to tell us to be ready. A look into the future is for our benefit. 
It's to be able to identify the times in which we live, to prepare for what is to be seen, to prepare for uh, the world, for what will be uh, that they're going to have to endure. It's to preach the revelation so that people will turn to the Lord. Everyone knows that we're in the end times. And if we know this, then we all have to, to agree that the Word of God is absolutely true. It's absolutely accurate. There are some things that pastors across the land need to be preaching. And we, have, we need to have an honest discussion about it. And this is it that we're living in those times. There will be a religious system. And we're going we're gonna to pull this apart here in a minute. There's a religious system that will cause people to turn from Christ and from salvation. It's going to look like Christianity. It's going to make people feel real good. It's going to declare prosperity to you and it's going to save your life in the end because the Antichrist is going to demand that you follow it. It will be something that all of the leaders of the world, these seven heads, these ten horns, the nations of the world will be drunk with their fornication. It will be something, it will be a worldwide religious system. And you will be made to partake in it if you're left behind. And if you don't, you will die. Period. And what I got to tell you here in this little bit is going to be very alarming, but you're going to see it for what it is. Um, churches will be too drunk with the fornication that this system brings. People will be too drunk with it or have its false doctrines at the church's helm. Things like you don't have to be saved. That's just a figment of people's imagination. You don't born again. No, all you need to be is baptized. I've been told all, you don't need to be. Only thing you need to do is take the Eucharist. The only thing you need to do is take communion. You'll be fine. That is a false doctrine. That is having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So you have to be accurate in preaching the scripture. I stand very in fear of God when I stand behind this holy pulpit because every word that I speak, I'm going to be accounted, uh, accountable for. And so therefore, I have to preach the truth. I'm compelled to it. I must do it. My own life depends on it. And those that hear me preach the gospel, I have to preach you truth. I can't do it any other way. I wish I, I, I could. There was something that, that you have to preach the truth, man. You have to preach it. So, now I know some people will say God's in control, like I said before. I'm not going to be concerned. Pastor Jay, that's just all fear-mongering stuff. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of attitude that's exactly opposite. I told you guys that. The Lord, our, uh, the Lord Himself tells us to be ready several times. For example, uh, over in the book of Matthew... He says, this, he says, and when these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads for your, your redemption draws nigh. Matthew 24, 44 through 46, therefore be ye also ready. Matthew 24, 44 through 46, this doesn't sound like a Jesus that, that would just you recommend saying, oh, it's going to be okay, I'm not going to worry about it. He didn't say that. He didn't say have that kind of attitude. That's not faith. That's not, that's you not worrying about what's going on, not worried about other people's salvation, not worried about your own salvation, not worried about your family's salvation. When you have that attitude, ah, easy come, easy go, well, then you're not alerting everybody else. 
It's one thing to have faith, but you also have to be on alert. And you have to be ready. Matthew, Matthew 24, 44 through 46 says, Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour that you think not the Son of Man cometh. He was telling this to his disciples. He says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season, he says. He said, Blessed is that servant. He goes on to say, whom his Lord finds him doing these things when he comes. You're the servants. I'm the servant. We're the ones that's supposed to be blessed doing this. What? Doing what? Being ready and telling others to be ready. Matthew 25 and 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and then the door was shut. Now, we all also know there were some that wasn't ready. Well, guess what? They didn't go. So you've got to be ready. The Bible says this. Uh, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will, go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am you may be also. Be ready for that. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage lamb of the Lord has come and his wife hath made herself ready. That's you and me. Let me say that again. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife, us, the bride, has made herself ready. The interesting thing about the holy uh, advice to be ready is that it's written to us. Now, before I pick apart this woman here. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Antichrist. Or the, is, I'm going to read to you something. I'm going to read to you the beliefs of Islam. And you're going to tell me what this sounds like. This is from their literature. You can look this up and read it for yourself. Um, in Islam, their savior is the Mahdi. Or the 12th Imam. I don't know if you've ever heard of this or not. It's very important that you know this. The Bible says my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. What you don't know can hurt you. It can cause you to not be prepared. In Islam, they wait for the Mahdi. Have you ever heard of this? I'm sure you have in service and everything else. Who is this Islamic character and what is he planning to do? He is the coming Savior, their Savior, who is to come. And what is he going to do? What's, what's this man all about? According to Islam, he is, the, he is coming to slaughter all who will not worship Allah or convert to Islam and to establish the world-dominating kingdom of Islam. Their words, not mine. He is their savior, the one who will establish what's called the caliphate. You'll hear these words on the news if you watch. He will come and start holy war where he will kill you if you don't convert. And he will have a massive army that will go from nation to nation and destroy all non-believers and Jews. His army will carry black flags according to their literature. And it's interesting that Iran right now carries the black flag in, 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 with, with the word punishment 
written on it, in anticipation of the Mahdi. Look it up for yourself. His first objective will be to destroy Israel and then to establish his kingdom in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. Now listen, their writings do also say that the Mahdi will come and make a peace agreement with the Jews for seven years. The reign of the Mahdi only lasts seven years while he establishes Islamic kingdom. Their writings declare he will come riding on a white horse, just like it says in Revelations chapter 6. And when he arrives, he will discover hidden scriptures by the Sea of Galilee that shows Jews and Christians alike were wrong this whole time, time and the only true religion is Islam. Remember that verse of scripture where we are told by the apostle that if anyone preaches unto you any other religion, let them be accursed. He says, even if an angel from heaven preaches you any other religion, let them be accursed. Hmm. Interesting. So he will arrive, discover these scriptures to show that Jews and Christians were wrong the whole time. And in summary, if you summarize all this, he will be a messianic figure. He'll be descendant of Muhammad. He will come out of a crisis of turmoil. He'll be an unparalleled leader. He will take control of the whole world. He will establish himself as God in Jerusalem. He will establish a new world order. He will destroy uh, whoever, all who resists. He will invade many nations. He will make a seven-year peace treaty. He will slaughter the Jews. He will establish a three-and-a-half-year peace agreement. Their writings, step by step, this is absolute a description of the Antichrist. And he, according to their, according to their writings, will ride on a white horse just as the Antichrist does in Revelations chapter 6. That's pretty interesting to me. There's a whole lot of comparisons there. Is this just coincidence? That's interesting. And then the Bible goes on to talk about, you know, that the preferred methodology of the enemy who are left the, to, to the people that are left behind after the Antichrist sets up his rule that he's going to cut your head off. And we see this happening right now, what happened in Israel. What did they do to infants, moms, and dads when they came in on October 7th? Can I get an amen? Did they cut heads off? Yeah. Is this just coincidental? I want to talk to you because we've, we've been going now for 42 minutes and 22 seconds. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to an end. But I'm going to tell you about the woman. The prostitute that sits on the back of the beast. Our foundation is who, church? Who's our foundation? Who's the foundation of the church? Christ. Jesus Christ. Who's the foundation of this woman? She sits on his back? Yes. She has a, the Bible calls her a prostitute, a whore. She has prostituted the truth, is what this means. That there is coming a religious system that will prostitute the truth and that will say things that seem like truth 
but it is a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. She's a woman. She looks like a bride. She, she's got all the characteristics of a bride, but the religious nature of her is perverted. Do we see this in the world today? I had to write papers in Bible college on nearly every single denomination in this world. And I can tell you, it is some jacked up stuff. Way away from the Bible. And there is so much confusion in the world today as to who Jesus Christ is. Who's right? Is it, is it the Wesleyan church? Is it the Baptist church? Is it the holiness church? Is it the, the, is it the church of God? Is it the church of Christ? Is it the, is it the, 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 uh, the Methodist? Is it the, the, the Baptist? Is it the, is it the, is it the general Baptist? The free will Baptist? Is it the primitive Baptist? Is it, is it the Pentecostal church? Is it, is it the first church of God? The north church of God? Is it, is it, who's right? You got to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you got to believe be a believer in the scripture. And you got to believe him. And you got to follow him and be a disciple. And that's why this class coming up is going to be so very important to shed all the layers and be a disciple. There are differences in beliefs and opinions. But God says I am not the author of confusion. And so in this chaotic world where fornication has been committed with the truth and we've perverted the truth, lots of pastors, lots of places, and I'm going to end with this, will pervert the message of Jesus Christ because they fear their congregation, what they might think. I've never been that type. And I never will be. I'm a truth preacher, a God-man. And I come to preach the Scripture. And that's all there is to it. And that's the only way to survive. And that's the only way to get your ticket out of here. When He calls, I want you to go. I don't want you left behind. To understand and be ready for what's coming. It could be. I seriously, I just don't know. I, I, I don't know that we make it through this year. <laughs> I mean, nobody knows the hour nor the day. But with as serious as things are, God gave us this year. I don't know. I don't know that at any... I know this, that at any moment, Christ could call us. Israel's being pummeled right now. They're hated by the whole world. The king of the north, it calls them Rosh, Russia. If you take a straight line and draw directly north through Jerusalem going north, you go right to the heart of Moscow. They're all desperately wanting to attack Israel. We are smack dab in it. Days of Noah, days of Lot. The ability to destroy the world with fire if God lets man do it. Peter's loud noise and fervent heat and the elements melting. John's recollection in the... In, John's vision in the book of Revelations where he says, I've seen what it was like locusts coming up off the earth. 
You got to think of a man of antiquity trying to describe these things. He's, he, he can't even imagine what's going on. He said the sounds of their wings was as the sounds of many uh, chariots running into battle. He said, I looked and in their tail, they had stings that could hurt men for many months. He said, I looked and it had the face of a man. that sound like to you this massive army coming from the east well there's one of those who are is now in unholy alliance with the king of the north with persia who is iran and russia you have tomar turkey who says we're going to come in if you don't stop. You have Syria and Damascus who they've been bombing Damascus. Damascus gets destroyed in one day. I don't know about you, but I'm looking up because my redemption's drawing near. How much does God have to tell us? I hope and pray that 2024 for you is a godly one, a one where you're prepared. Stand with me.